0: Well, you're already very well behaved because as soon as our speakers took the seats, it became as silent as a church. So, thank you very much for that uh, start. Welcome to this uh, special debate uh, this evening, which has been organized by the London School of Economics Hellenic Observatory. Which reminds me that any of you with mobile phones, <laughs> if you could please um, switch them off, that would be much appreciated. Tonight's debate has of course uh, received tremendous uh, interest Uh, and the reason for that uh, is obvious. The fiscal crisis which erupted in Greece last uh, autumn uh, poses many challenges uh, for Greece domestically but it's also sent uh, shockwaves around the financial markets, the international uh, markets. And of course, it has confronted the Eurozone uh, with major questions about its rules and its system of governance. So, our debate tonight will focus on what Greece must do to get out of the crisis and equally, whether in the light of the Greek crisis, the Euro needs a new system of management. As I say, these issues are dominating our news it's difficult to keep up uh, with the rapidity of the news, hour by hour, a press conference in Berlin, uh, statements by in Brussels. Uh, we follow the news uh, almost uh, hour by hour. With all of this interest, we need clear, calm, and sober analysis of the problems and the possible solutions. And our speakers tonight are very well able to provide uh, such a guide for us. Yorgos Alegros Koufis and Yanis Papandreou, between them, have dominated economic policymaking in Greece since the middle of the 1990s. Yanis Papandreou was Minister of National Economy in the PASOK government from 1994 to 2003. He was when, the... When, when, when. Uh, 2001. One. So yes, yes. I, I'm rewriting democratic history. <laughs> a wave of the hand. Uh, he was the chief architect of Greece's entry into the euro, and he oversaw Greece's accommodation to the new currency. Dr Papamichael holds a PhD in economics from Cambridge University, and has served as an economist at the OECD in Paris. Yorgos Alegos was Minister of Economy and Finance uh, from 2004 to January of last year. And becoming Minister, he introduced an audit of the state finances and managed Greece through the excessive deficit procedure of the Euro uh, system. He himself is a Professor of Economics at the Athens University of Economics and Business and he has written widely cited articles in a range of international academic (coughs) journals. But, as we all recognise, this crisis is no longer simply a Greek issue. So we're delighted to welcome two further speakers. How could we talk about the future of the euro without having a German perspective? (laughs) Uh, Can I just move on quickly before you react any further to that comment? Wim Kostas is a noted specialist on the euro and uh, the future of EMU. A few years ago, he co-authored a paper for the European Central Bank arguing that lax monetary policies are no way to bring about structural reforms. Uh, Perhaps he thinks there are lessons here for Greece. Uh, He is Professor of Economics at the Rural University in Bochum and a member of the Institute for Economic Research in in Essen in Essen. Uh, I won't give it the the full title because, uh, forgive me Vim, the title of the institute sounds as long as an academic publication in itself. Simon Tilford is a chief economist at the Center for European Reform here in London. He writes extensively on the European Union's economic performance. In a recent paper, he commented that when the southern European states joined the euro, they don't seem to have understood that they were committing themselves to pursuing liberal economic policies. Greece got it wrong. But in good British divide and rule tactics, he also said that German policy uh, was unhelpful in the Eurozone as well. With this cast, we should have an interesting and informed debate representing diverse uh, opinions. I've asked each of our speakers uh, to speak for 10, 12 minutes maximum, and I'm going to have uh, to be quite strict about the time limit. Privately, they've already agreed to be uh, disciplined in their timing, so you can see uh, whether they uphold that. On this basis, there should be plenty of time for questions from you, the audience, (laughs) and uh, we look forward to that discussion. Can I remind you, in the discussion, of course, that this is a highly topical uh, agenda, hot issues. It's not a political setting. This is a setting for informed academic debates. We're respecting each other's opinion. We're giving time for people to give their opinions. So we will abide by the best traditions of the LSE and we will uh, respect each other's uh, opinions. So, the order we have agreed for the initial presentations for this evening is uh, for Janos Papandonio to begin, (coughs) followed by Wim Kostas, followed by Simon Tilford, and then finally, Yorgos Alagoskoules. So without further ado from me, can I ask you, please, to give a warm welcome to our panel. I'm going to ask each of our speakers to use the other lectern for the presentation. So, uh, Dr Papandineu, would you like to present from here?
1: Ladies and <clears throat> gentlemen, dear friends, let me first um, thank our friend Kevin for the, taking this initiative and giving us uh, the opportunity to talk about Greece and the euro crisis in a particular topical topic. Um, here in London and and in Europe. In fact, this is the largest audience I ever spoke to in uh, the LSE, which uh, (laughs) I think suggests how how great the interest is for what we're talking about. Uh, I will have to give you a summary of my speech on account of the time (laughs) limit, and so I will not uh, actually uh, even try to read it. Uh, Let me start with uh, some piece of recent uh, Greek economic history to place the present Greek Greek crisis into perspective. Uh, If we divide the uh, uh, post-dictatorship period, that is, from the beginning of the 70s to the present, the 35 years of so-called metapolitics in Greece, we can divide it into two periods. The first two decades, from uh, the mid-70s to the mid-90s, were years of very weak economic performance. Greece had very large fiscal deficits, more than 15% of GDP, very high inflation, close to 20%, very unstable currency, and low growth, 1.5% on average in the t- 20 years from 74 to 94. Things changed when the, uh, Greece tried to enter the eurozone, and this created new conditions, both as regards stability and growth. Inflation deficits fell, interest rates fell, deficit fell from 12 to 3 percent, inflation collapsed from 14 to 2 percent, growth uh, resumed and uh, reached 4 percent. And in fact, for 11 consecutive years, that is from 97 to 2008, Greece had the second highest rate of economic growth in the eurozone. So, by most accounts, was a reasonably stable and successful economy. Now, the growth that resulted from uh, from the euro accession was essentially a demand phenomenon. Confidence (coughs) increased um, the spending by both investors and uh, consumers. There has been a very substantial growth of demand, also helped by the the lower uh, interest rates. And fortunately, supply, the production side responded positively on account of two factors. The first factor was that uh, there have been uh, substantial uh, structural reforms in that period, privatization, market liberalization and so on. And also there has been a substantial modernization of infrastructure, roads, motorways, ports, networks, and so on, thanks partly also to the inflow of community (coughs) funds. Things started to change, unfortunately, after Greece joined uh, into the Eurozone. There has been a reform fatigue, so to speak, The first sign of that fatigue was the defeat of the socialist government, of the Semitist government, on the social security front in 2001. The Semitist government had proposed a very radical uh, plan. It was rejected by trade unions. The government succumbed, and this was, in fact, the beginning of the end of the second Semitist administration. These things got even worse in the following five or six years, when clientelism Inaction, laxity became, unfortunately, the dominant features of governance. Competitiveness weakened, the fiscal deficit remained very large, and, in fact, in 2008 and 2009, things exploded. The fiscal deficit got into uh, the range of 13% of GDP, and the public debt took on an explosive trend. Uh, this has uh, led to a very substantial rise in interest rates. As we know, the spreads over the German rates have increased very substantially in the last, in the last few months, and Greece faces this acute fiscal crisis, which makes it a very vulnerable target uh, for speculators and international investors, uh, which in, is reinforced by the fact that Greece belongs to the Eurozone. Now, so far as the government is concerned, uh, I think it has taken a number of Uh, uh, courageous measures uh, on the fiscal front. It has cut public sector wages, it has increased taxation, it is fighting tax evasion, and is trying to streamline public administration and cut down waste. Also on the structural front, it is starting to face the causes of, 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 of of this weak competitiveness, and the causes basically is excessive statism. I have said on some other occasion that Greece is the last Soviet economy in Europe, because if you count the amount of state intervention the Greek economy suffers, despite the various rounds of of market liberalization in the the last 20 years, you will still see that the state is too big a thing in the economy. So if we want to reignite growth, I think privatizations, uh, abolishing closed professions, abolishing barriers to competition, removing obstacles to entrepreneurship are key factors so as to uh, engineer a revival of private private investment. However, uh, despite these efforts, uh, the markets continued to doubt Greece's ability to surmount the fiscal problems and set the economy back to a course of sustained growth. And the reason is why. This touches upon the weaknesses of the Eurozone. Greece is not an independent economy. It is a Eurozone member. We hold the Euro along with other 15 countries. So uh, this, this, um, uh, this, this crisis highlighted various weaknesses that are inherent in the functioning of the Eurozone. In a typical monetary union, you have three pillars, the monetary pillar, the fiscal pillar, and the financial pillar. In the Eurozone, you have only one fully constituted pillar, which is the monetary pillar, the European Central Bank. So far as the fiscal policy is concerned, you do have 16 different authorities, and the same holds for the the supervision of of the financial system. So you have fiscal disunion, you have financial also disunion, and you only (coughs) have one pillar, which is the euro supported by the European Central Bank. This uh, makes the eurozone very different from, say, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, the US system. You have seen that uh, policy failures are not only typical for a European country. California was a policy failure uh, some years ago in the the, the United States. However, California's fiscal crisis did not undermine the dollar because in the federal system you have mechanisms of solidarity and sanctions which uh, are there to either prevent or manage default and thus ensure financial stability. The absence of such mechanisms within the Eurozone, underlined by the no bailout clause of the treaty, makes the Euro, as well as the sovereign uh, debts of its uh, constituent parts, inviting targets for speculative attacks. Markets take bets on the endurance of the system. And this is exactly what is happening now. And if Greece falls, along the lines of Lehman Brothers bankruptcy in the beginning of the global financial crisis, uh, bloodthirsty investors will fall on the next victim, which might be Portugal, Ireland, Spain, and why not, even Italy. So the rise in Greek borrowing costs ought to two factors. The first factor are Greece's own problems of its own making, and the second, second factor is the weaknesses which markets have spotted in the structure of the Eurozone and the exploitation of these weaknesses for speculative purposes. The absence of uh, mechanisms of uh, bailout uh, makes no sense because it is uh, not reasonable to expect that in a union of 16 countries, the union of 50 states uh, as in uh, in America which is bound to live for decades if not centuries, not a single country, not a single state will ever display irresponsible behavior and ask for assistance. Just assume that this won't ever happen and this is the uh, hidden assumption behind the no bailout clause is not a clever assumption to make and this is a basic defect in the very construction of the Eurozone. Now, uh, for the time being, uh, to address the Greek problem, an ad hoc mechanism of financial assistance has been devised, as you know, which consists of the IMF assistance plus uh, uh, bilateral Eurozone loans uh, coordinated by the ECB and the European Commission. Greece has requested the activation of this mechanism and uh, negotiations have already started and Mrs. Merkel and Mr. and uh, Jean-Claude Richet in uh, Berlin have confirmed that the negotiations are about to uh, co- be concluded very soon. However, this does not resolve the problem. If the euro has, is to survive for a long period of time, as the dollar has survived for, I don't know, two centuries, longer-term arrangements aiming at improving economic governance must be set. And what type of arrangements are these? Three things are necessary. Two things are necessary. To create or recreate the fiscal pillar and to unify financial supervision. Now, on the fiscal pillar, <coughs> the aim would be as follows. We should reinforce the fiscal authority of the Eurogroup so as to ensure discipline by uh, divine, designing very harsh sanctions because apparently the Stability and Security Pact did not work partially because Germany violated the pact as a result of the German unification for four years and did not get punished because it was a very big and heavy country. So we have to uh, devise heavier sanctions and penalties for deviations, but also we should move towards common budget policies. And what I mean by this? You cannot have countries like Germany with a consistent structural external surplus because this external surplus is mirrored in other countries' deficits and other counter-sectional deficits uh, impose to them deflationary policies. So you must have a more intelligent way to distribute domestic demand, so you must have a a common plan for budget policies throughout the Eurozone. I know, of course, that Germany and other countries do not wish, wish to relinquish this type of fiscal authority to the European Commission or the Eurogroup, but this must be done if... We have to have a consistent and coherent fiscal policy for the entire Eurozone. The second thing is the bailout mechanism. Now, there are many ways to approach it. The simpler way would be to issue Eurobonds, but of course there is a question of compensating Germany for lending its credibility to Spain, to Greece, to other weaker countries to borrow at at heavier rates, but a compensation mechanism could be devised. And, of course, a more radical solution would be the creation of a European Monetary Fund along the lines of the IMF which would ensure this combination of solidarity with sanctions which would uh, um, uh, allow the Eurozone to address policy failures which are inherent in any market system. You cannot imagine that the market system works and survives without ever encountering The problem of a policy failure. It is part of of our life, it is part of our logic. Thank
0: you. Could you.
1: Yes, I finish. I finish. Uh, Actually, you interrupted at the very end of my speech. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, uh, to conclude. (laughs) Uh, To conclude. what is the lessons of the, of, the, of the crisis, of the Greek Euro crisis? First of all, so far as uh, the facing the crisis, two things are essential. The first thing is that Greece must get its act together and promote at very fast speed with great effectiveness the major fiscal and structural reforms which are necessary to achieve fiscal consolidation and a substantial improvement in our competitiveness so as to convince the markets that we are credit-worthy to go back to them and and borrow at reasonable rates, and then the Eurozone must get its act together very quickly, both in the short term by announcing, at the latest on Sunday, the uh, activation of the mechanism of the short-term mechanism of financial assistance, but also starting a serious discussion for devising the longer-term arrangements for transforming the existing monetary union into a fully-fledged economic and political union by uh, by supplementing with fiscal and other powers so as to uh, uh, give the the, the euro uh, the chance to, to survive. I believe that these uh, uh, are very important steps to be taken, both to avoid a Greek disaster, but also to ensure the long term sustainability and viability of the euro. Thank you very much. Thank you.
2: Thank you, uh, Kevin, for inviting me to this uh, debate. Uh, it's uh, quite an honor to speak in front of such a big audience, and I think also a distinguished audience. Um, when uh, I listened to the declaration of the Greek prime minister last week, it came to my mind that I could start like this. Andra moi per musa prolytropon hos malapola." That's the beginning of the Odyssey by Homer. And um, maybe the musa. Uh, could inspire us to find ways to make the period of wandering shorter than it used to be in the past 10 years and maybe we can make it shorter this time but uh, therefore we should know the way to Ithaca where Penelope and his the son of Odysseus Telemachus uh, was waiting Uh, So I want to organize my lecture in that way that I first want to say uh, a few words to Germany and German concerns and then to the nature of the crisis and the causes of the crisis and finally to the future of the Eurozone. Uh, One can understand the German position only if one realizes that in the last century we had two big inflations after the two world wars uh, which were financed by uh, printing money. And so uh, within one generation Germans lost all nearly all their financial savings and that created a high aversion against inflation in Germany and uh, the low inflation rates were due to the monetary constitution created after the war and the stable uh, Deutschmark was the result of this aversion and of the constitution the monetary uh, constitution we created in Germany and when we had to give up uh, the Deutschmark, uh, it was very difficult for the Germans to give it up because it was a stable currency and it was a symbol for the recovery of Germany after the war. And uh, so the Germans hoped and were assured by the politicians that the euro will uh, get, become as stable as the Deutschmark was before. Uh, and all uh, the institutions created should care uh, for that. Uh, And um, now if uh, the the euro will become become unstable, uh, Germans will have problems. And they also will have problems if the rules agreed upon will be broken by some countries and the Germans have to pay for it. So that uh, is considered not to be fair. Um, The present Greek crisis, let me come to the nature of the crisis. Uh, uh, Let me add, uh, at the moment we have a regional election in uh, Northern Australia, um, and, no, uh, and, and therefore, uh, the, the politicians are also uh, quite uh, yeah, nervous, uh, and, and some reactions uh, uh, can be explained by that. The nature of the crisis. The present Greek crisis is not only a fiscal crisis. You know, all know that the debt quota and the defi- deficit quota are the highest uh, in, uh, um, I- in Europe. I can skip that. Also the interest rates Greece has to pay for uh, its um, sovereign debt uh, are highest uh, in uh, Europe. But it's important to notice that Greece also has a problem of international competitiveness. Uh, the Greek uh, wages increased, uh, uh, the, the Greek um, uh, current account deficits increased from 7 to 14% during, after joining the, the euro, now it's around 10%. And that's uh, also due, not only due to the uh, huge increase, that's the current account deficits here, yeah, and now the <laughs> wages, yeah. The wages were increasing in Greece uh, much more than, for instance, in Germany. And if you have um, fixed nominal uh, um, exchange rates, then that will mean a revaluation of uh, the Greek euro. And that makes them uh, um, uh, uh, not competitive anymore. Let me come to the causes of the, cri- uh, the, causes of the crisis. Of course, um, uh, one has to say that Greece didn't take serious uh, uh, its membership in the European Monetary Union. It forged uh, the budget figures in order to be admitted in uh, 2001, and in the following years, it again forged the deficit uh, uh, figures and uh, reported wrong figures to Brussels. And that created uncertainty. And that created also mistrust uh, against the figures and they uh, deceived themselves even because they don't know in what economic situation they are now exactly. And of course, also the world doesn't know and the rest of the world doesn't know. Uh, Greece enjoyed first the benefits of the euro in that the interest rates came down and so the government debt could be financed uh, more easily, but... These uh, these, um, uh, funds were not used to make Greece competitive and to reform the economic structure. As it seems really to me, Greek politicians did not understand that EMU membership means significantly more systems competition. Uh, And that makes a policy adjustment necessary. We created in the European Monetary Union a system of super-globalization, I call that. We have more systems competition than in the rest of the world. And that was not taken care of. But not Greece alone caused the crisis. There were also some others around the European Commission did not demand strict keeping of the convergence criteria and the rules of the stability and growth pact. Already in the first round they didn't have a close look to it and So Italy and Belgium were admitted, although they didn't fulfill the criteria. Germany was admitted, although Germany didn't fulfill the debt criterion, because Germany had only slightly above 60% debt quota, but the debt quota was increasing because of the German reunification. But an increasing debt quota cannot be accepted by the treaty. So Germany should have not be admitted to the monetary union. Then in 2002, one year after the admission of Greece to the monetary union, Romano Prodi, the then president of the European Commission, said the stability and growth pact is stupid. Like all rigid rules are stupid. Yeah, if the president of the commission says that, who really can expect that there will be a strict of the monitoring of the rules of the commission? Then, it was mentioned, Germany violated uh, the deficit criteria in 2003, and uh, the Schroeder government reacted the critique, and uh, together with uh, France, they diluted the rules of uh, the Stability and Growth Pact. And uh, in the last election campaign in France, all candidates were demanding a change of the rules of the European Monetary Union. So... Uh, the rules of the monetary union were not accepted. Uh, these are the oh I'm ready uh, so we and now, the European, and now it shows up this bad governance shows up and uh, the future of the um, eurozone uh, is very uncertain uh, uh, in my view um, because Europe was unable to manage the European monetary union and now it has to call the IMF And uh, financial assistance to Greece means that the no bailout clause has to be broken. So uh, that causes credibility problems, moral moral hazard problems, and we pay a high price for that because uh, the financial assistance will help Greece only shortly. Now uh, estimates go around that Greece needs uh, 90, or even more billions of uh, euro. uh, uh, And uh, that could only help for a short period of time. So does Greece have to devalue? Does Greece have to leave the European monetary union is uh, the question? Or do the financial markets force Greece out of the monetary union? That's uh, uh, also uh, a possibility. Uh, so we, uh, need, uh, uh, we need to go back to the rules we made up. We may have to make them credible again. That's the only way because Europe should become international more competitive. And if we change the rules in that way as some propose, then they, these rules will not make Europe more competitive. The only way to do it is back to the rules. Back to credible and respected rules, which are respected, really, by all the countries. So, then I close. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Simon Tilford. Good
3: evening. I feel like a giant up here. First, thank you very much to Kevin for inviting me here this evening. I feel flattered to be in such company. I only wish I could be more upbeat in what I'm going to say. The first half of the uh, the question was, can Greece correct its financial position and undertake the necessary reforms for future prosperity? Well, to make Greece's financial position sustainable will require an enormous adjustment, something in the order of 10 to 12 percentage points of GDP in two, maybe three years. And this without a devaluation which would typically accompany a consolidation of this size in, an, in a country with a current account deficit as big as Greece's. So what we're looking at is quite unprecedented. Investors believe the country can't pull it off and their scepticism is understandable. First, the starting point is very, very bad. The overall level of debt is high and increasing very, very rapidly. The deficit is huge and the country's debt maturity structure is very, very unfavourable. Second, and crucially, Greece's growth prospects, economic growth prospects are very poor. The country's financial position will not be sustainable against a backdrop of slump and deflation. However, however much the Greek authorities cut public spending by, you cannot put a country's public finances on a sustainable footing if the economy is slumping or contracting more quickly than you can cut public spending. But slump is precisely where Greece is heading, The economy this year will probably contract by about 5%. Prospects for next year, pretty grim. Probably stagnation, no growth at best. What Greece needs is a huge, big, well a huge positive external stimulus to offset the cuts in public spending and falls in real wages. In short, exports need to grow much more rapidly than imports over an extended period of time. Now, how likely is this to happen? Well, not very, I'm afraid, because import demand, of course, will be very weak because of the collapse in domestic demand, but Greece also needs much, much stronger exports. Unfortunately, exports only account for about 20% of Greek GDP. So the percentage increase in exports will need to be very, very big. In the absence of devaluation, Greece is dependent on a revival of demand elsewhere in the Eurozone and the ability of Greek companies, become more price competitive relative to their counterparts elsewhere in the Eurozone and hence to take market share within the currency union. Now the best way of improving price competitiveness is through higher productivity. But that is a long-term challenge. Greece does not have that kind of time. The country has no choice but to try and cut costs relative to the rest of the Eurozone. Now this is possible. Germany and the Netherlands have successfully pursued eye-watering wage restraint within the Eurozone. The problem, of course, is that it's impossible for all economies to do that simultaneously. It's a zero-sum game. It's one thing for a member state to cut costs relative to the rest of the eurozone when costs across the eurozone are rising quite rapidly. It's a whole different ballgame to cut costs relative to the eurozone when costs across the eurozone are stagnant or falling, particularly when they're stagnant or falling in Germany, which again is pursuing further wage restraint on top of the last 10 years of wage restraint we've seen in the country. A Greek debt restructuring looks unavoidable. Whatever finally comes through from the EU and the IMF will help a bit, but it's hard to see it being sufficient. I think the question at this point is really about the degree of default, not whether there's going to be one. The second part of the question was what are the implications for the governance of the Eurozone and the future performance of the euro? It's worth remembering that Greece is just the starkest example of the challenges facing a number of Eurozone economies with big external deficits, weak public finances and very poor growth prospects. The failure to contain the crisis, the Greek crisis, means we're already seeing contagion to some of these. We're already seeing contagion to Portugal there are other vulnerable economies. Greece is the big, uh, Spain is the big worry it's, because of its size, clearly. To believe that making an example of Greece will force others to put their houses in order ...and secure the stability of the Eurozone is simplistic. It ignores the fact that Greece's problems and those of the other struggling member states cannot be solved by them alone. Indeed, the EU strategy so far appears to have been tailor-made to ensure precisely the kind of contagion that they profess to want to avoid. I see three things need to happen to to ensure long-term stability of the Eurozone. The first, southern member states absolutely must get serious about reform... Their elites have tended to treat the euro as a shield from the outside world, but membership is also a corset. It requires economies to have flexible markets for goods, services and labour. That's not an option. It's a prerequisite for success in, in, in the currency union. Devaluation is not an option, so their economies have to become more productive and flexible. Unfortunately, they've shown very little appetite. This is not just Greece. It's economies across the south for are highly regulated labour markets for opening up more sectors to competition, etc., etc. They have to be honest about what they've signed up for, and so far they haven't been. Two, the surplus member states need to strengthen domestic demand. The German government is right to call for reform across southern Europe, but weak domestic demand in Germany also threatens the sustainability of the Eurozone. If the Eurozone economies with large external surpluses, such as Germany will not or cannot rebalance their economies, the struggling southern, southern member states will find it very difficult to extract themselves from this mess, almost irrespective of what they do. Their fiscal policies, for example, will, prove, will not improve, their fiscal positions rather, will not improve if their economies contract faster than they can cut public spending, as I mentioned earlier. The result will be ongoing slump and fiscal crisis. Indeed, if Germany's economic model, which relies on enormous wage restraint and the running of huge external surpluses, was exported to the rest of the Eurozone, the result would be beggar-thy-neighbour wage cuts and perpetual slump and, and stagnation in Europe, and we would have fiscal problems everywhere, not just in Greece, Spain, Portugal, Italy, etc. Third and finally, there needs to be greater institutional integration. The crisis has, I think, exposed the fallacy of believing it's possible to have a host of largely sovereign economies sharing economy, sharing a currency. This really is you know currency in search for a market to a large extent. There needs to be much greater policy coordination and mutual oversight, in short, a progressive move to economic government within the Eurozone. Unfortunately, there is no agreement amongst the member states on what such economic government would entail. Eurozone finance ministers did issue a statement in March (coughs) saying that imbalances within the Eurozone could only be addressed by action on the part of both deficit and surplus countries. But various governments, not least the German one, have made it abundantly clear that the only binding mechanism they will accept will be one to enforce stricter budget discipline. But you can't have Eurozone stability without growth. Budgetary discipline itself is not going to provide a sustainable, is not going to ensure the sustainability of the Euro. One minute. One minute. (laughs) Uh, And there's certainly no chance of any kind of move to a fiscal union. We heard about uh, the third pillar, fiscal pillar. I think we're highly unlikely to see that. I think uh, we need to. In the absence of uh, the imbalances being addressed or unwound, some kind of fiscal union would appear to be a prerequisite for the survival of the eurozone in its current form. If those imbalances are not unwound and there is no move to some... Element at least of fiscal supranationalism, then I think uh, we will see ongoing crisis and some probably managed dismantling of the Eurozone as we know it in its current form. Thank you.
0: George Allegro's group.
4: Let me also thank uh, Kevin for organising this uh, very interesting session and uh, the LSE for hosting us. Uh, it, I have a very long uh, speech, which, I, of course, I will not deliver. It will be available, I guess, on your website for people who want to to look at it. I will concentrate on a number of, uh, of on two issues, really. On one is the issue of whether the eurozone can coordinate its policy responses to to the current crisis. And uh, the second issue, of course, is where, the, the Greek problem that is uh, at the center of, uh, of attention right now. When, when the crisis, the second part of the crisis erupted in um, at the end of, I will not use the presentation. Uh, when the second part of the crisis erupted in uh, September 2008, uh, I was still a member of the Eurogroup, and I remember that the coordination of the of, uh, European responses at the time was both quick and relatively effective to the initial, uh, implement, uh, the, the initial effects of the crisis. The presidency of uh, Sarkozy uh, in France made, made it uh, made for a very active coordination and a very active response to, to the crisis. Uh, discussions since then have um, essentially uh, focused on how we apply the Stability and Growth Pact. Uh, You may recall that the Stability and Growth Pact was revised in 2008 to to allow it to be more flexible than than originally. And it was decided since since late 2008 to apply the pact relatively uh, flexibly to allow countries uh, to exceed temporarily the 3% limit. Of course, since then, in 2009, we have seen that the European economy has entered into a recession, a very deep recession. Uh, fiscal deficits have increased uh, everywhere, not uh, just in Greece, because uh, people tend to forget that there are many other euro area economies and many other economies, including the economy that uh, is hosting us uh, tonight, that have very high uh, deficits. Um, and um, there is now a, qu- a discussion going on how we shall manage to. But go back to fiscal consolidation both in the Eurozone and outside the Eurozone without uh, responses that will stifle the recovery. And this is, this is, uh, uh, these, these are the issues that, that concern us apart, apart from Greece. Of course, small peripheral economies like Greece, Portugal, Ireland and larger economies like Spain have been experiencing more serious fiscal uh, problems and the widening of their government uh, bond yields relative to the German benchmark. And uh, these economies, which we have to admit that were among the main beneficiaries of the creation of the euro, had until uh, 2007 growth rates that were much higher than average. All, all of those economies had much higher growth rates than average. However, they had also seen their current accounts, um, uh, their current account <laughs> deficits <laughs> rise considerably. And this was partly the result of autonomous capital inflows that were entering those economies. Uh, when when the risk of devaluation uh, disappeared after the creation of the euro now let me say a few things now about Greece which is probably the most difficult case Uh, since the elections of uh, 2009 the Greek economy has uh, been at the center of international attention the focus has been on the fiscal situation which worsened since the crisis not unlike in many other economies in the Euro area and the rest of the world. Because we have to keep in mind that the worsening of the fiscal situation in Greece is not so much different from what happened in other economies as well. Now if one were to look at the fundamentals of the Greek economy, one would note that uh, in the 20 years which it took to prepare for the Euro, and uh, since Euro membership, the fundamentals have improved uh, significantly unemployment uh, fell, growth was quite high, of course inflation uh, uh, went very near to the Euro area average. Uh, So the fundamentals improved both in the run up to the Euro and especially after the creation of the Euro. The one exception has been public finances and the second exception has been international competitiveness. uh, Public finances have remained a problem throughout the period and the international competitiveness has uh, kept deteriorating because of uh, higher inflation and higher wage growth in Greece uh, relative to the rest of the eurozone. Uh, there, in, there were short periods of improvement. Uh, the few years before we entered the euro there was an improvement in the fiscal situation. The few years after 2004 when um, uh, I was uh, the finance minister we tried to reduce the deficit and we reduced it substantially by 2006, but but these uh, periods were the exception. And then elections came, and the usual relapse uh, took place uh, in Greece. So the international financial crisis in 2008 hit the Greek economy at its uh, Achilles uh, heel. The high public debt, which was accumulated in mainly during the 1980s. Since the 1980s, from the early 1990s onwards, the debt was stabilized as a percent of GDP. It was stabilized at uh, about 100% of GDP for, uh, for almost 20 years. Um, there were periods that it was going a little down, uh, periods that it was going up a little bit, but, but it was stabilized roughly around 100% of GDP. And um, Greece had no problem financing this debt for, uh, for about 20 years. It was financing it at market interest rates with very low spreads over the, uh, over the, uh, the German bonds. The problem became um, uh, serious because of the international financial crisis and it became much more serious after the elections of October 2009 when Greece found itself in, in the center of a wave of criticism by the international press, international organizations, rating agencies, the European Commission. Why did this happen? Because despite the fact that the fiscal situation in Greece in 2009 worsened uh, not much more than in other Eurozone economies, Greece became the focus of attention. I think that this happened for three reasons. The first and foremost is the high level of debt, which Greece had stabilized at 100% of GDP, but 100% of GDP is a very high level of debt. So compared to other Eurozone economies, Greece had a much higher debt compared to its deficits. The second, of course, was the sudden announcement of the dramatic deterioration of the deficit in 2009 by the new government in October 2009. This took markets by surprise, as the previous administration insisted that it would would achieve a much lower uh, deficit. And the third reason is related to the delay of the new administration to tackle the fiscal situation and, of course, the shortcomings of the program that was announced. So there were at least three reasons that that Greece found itself uh, at the center of attention. And uh, it is these these three reasons that created the circumstances for a a sustained speculative attack on Greek bonds, which has led to the severe confidence uh, confidence crisis that exists today. Now, under these circumstances, the Greek government has no other option than to accelerate the implementation of structural reforms which under different circumstances uh, could be implemented more gradually. Greece now has no other option but to follow a particularly drastic program of fiscal adjustment and structural reforms. Ideally, it should aim for fiscal consolidation and an improvement in competitiveness that would help the recovery, but it's very difficult to see what measures would, would help the recovery of the Greek economy. We should aim to reduce uh, fiscal deficits below the average of the euro area in three years at the latest. And we should further aim to stabilize public debt as a percent of GDP by, in my opinion, by 2011. At the latest, we should not allow public debt to keep rising as a percent of GDP. We should stabilize it by 2011 uh, and uh, to drastically reduce the debt-to-GDP ratio in the ensuing decade between say 2011 and 2020, we should have a very firm target to reduce the the debt as a percent of GDP, much below 100% where where it was stabilized before. And only a fully credible fiscal problem will will convince markets, rating agencies, and Greece's um, EU partners. Now, this, this is easy to say. It's much more difficult to implement and especially in current market conditions where Greece is essentially locked out of the international bond markets. So in the meantime, it is imperative that Greece should make use of the European support mechanism that is being created right now, and in the next few days I think will will be fully announced, in order to have some breathing space until the the program starts bearing fruit. Because the program will not have effects immediately, it will have effects after a few months, Greece needs a breathing space, and uh, the European support mechanism should be used as a a breathing space in in, in that period. With concrete evidence of substantial fiscal improvement, it will be very difficult, without concrete evidence of substantial fiscal improvement, it will be very difficult for Greece to return to financial markets, and uh, although it is imperative that Greece should aim to return to financial markets as soon as possible. We, we cannot allow ourselves to, to be excluded from financial markets because there is this European support mechanism. We should only use it in the short term as a breathing space to give us some time to implement the program, to see some results, and then uh, then uh, we should try to go back to, to international financial markets. One minute. Of course, yes, okay. Chris will succeed, of course, if the rest of the Euro area has uh, a successful and coordinated response. And I will say in one minute, Uh, the five main uh, elements of what I mean by a successful uh, response of the euro area. First of all, we all realize that in all of the euro area there needs to be fiscal adjustment. But we have to distinguish between the fiscal adjustment of the countries that have low deficits and are big countries, the engines of growth in the euro area, and the the smaller peripheral economies which, um, which have the biggest problems. The, the bigger economies with, with, uh, without serious fiscal problems should, should go for a very gradual fiscal adjustment in order not to stifle the recovery, whereas the smaller economies should have a program very much like Greece, it's a very drastic program of, of reducing uh, fiscal deficits. The, the ECB should continue to provide adequate liquidity as it has been doing, as, until we are certain that the recovery is, uh, is firm and, uh, and, uh, and in place. The contingency plans that have been created for Greece must be available to other European to other Euro area uh, members that may or may not need them. And um, despite uh, its shortcomings, we should we should accelerate structural reforms that improve European competitiveness. Thank
0: you very much. I thank each of our speakers for their presentations, uh, but also for their (laughs) discipline. It allows us uh, time for the questions and answers. As you can see in the hall, there are colleagues uh, with the red T-shirts and microphones. So I'm going to suggest, if the panel will uh, agree, that we collect perhaps uh, three questions and then come back to the panel and invite any of you to respond to those uh, questions so we'll try to group the questions uh, could you please make sure that it is a question rather than a speech uh, could you please identify yourself and um, could you please indicate those who would wish to make a, take a question now we'll take the gentleman here
5: I'm going to start with a tactless question and after that it can only get better <laughs> the tactless question is we cannot cure well, restructuring let me not say default let me, I will say it will a measure of default in the Greek national debt be consistent with Greece remaining in the European Union sorry in, in the Eurozone
0: thank you did you get the question It's uh, us uh, very pleased, Sam Britton one of our Most established, uh, respected financial journalists. Uh, (laughs) And the gentleman here. The gentleman here. There's enough heat in the question. There's enough heat in the debate already.
3: (laughs) out of the monetary union. Now, the question is simple. Should the Eurogroup allow this to happen in view of the consequences? And if the international speculators, I basically agree with your analysis about the problem, and the problem is a problem of credibility, not only of observing or violating the rules, but if that happens, what happens next? Which country comes after Greece? Well, okay. that is something which the European Union has to think very carefully
0: about. Okay, thank you. Other questions? Uh, there's the gentleman right at the very back in the red. i am show you. There seems to be one person who's running with a microphone.
6: Hi, I'm a student here in the MSc Economics at the LSE. So I have a question we hear quite often that the Greek figures for inflation or deficit are uh, revised with an upward trend. How has this been how has this been possible and what's wrong with national statistics in Greece?
0: could we perhaps go in the reverse order of the speakers? And <laughs> <laughs> I mean nothing by that, George. <laughs> okay. Uh, it be, okay. It should be... Does this work? Yeah.
4: Okay. Uh, the question on uh, restructuring. I think that Greece should do everything in its power, and the euro area should do everything in its power to avoid even talk about restructuring. As as I said, it is very, very important that that there is an improvement in the fundamentals in uh, the fiscal position. Of course, this cannot take place overnight. It will need a few few years to take effect. It is very, very important that Greece returns to the markets uh, as soon as the markets calm down because clearly now in in the current situation, Greece cannot... Uh, in, in next month say go back to the markets but it could go back to the markets in six months or, or even in, in, in a year at the latest and, uh, and avoid any, any any discussion, any hint that it is thinking about restructuring because restructuring will be very bad for Greece now does restructuring mean that uh, if, if it were to happen that uh, you go out of the eurozone I think we are in uncharted uh, territories uh, ter- in uncharted territory here There there are no rules that uh, that, that deal with uh, restructuring of the debt. But it's very, very important that uh, that we keep an orderly market for for Greek bonds. Or we go back to an orderly market for Greek bonds. Now, the problem with the national statistics. The problem with national statistics uh, exists. It is not a question, I don't think that any Greek government uh, ever, uh, on purpose, tried to mislead uh, anybody with with statistics. (laughs) Uh, I, well, I I, I will explain. I I was, as a minister in 2004, I asked for for an audit by the European Commission, the European Commission, the European uh, Statistical Authority, the Eurostat, to to do an audit on Greek uh, national accounts. It is true that that there were misreportings and there were many weaknesses that uh, Eurostat uh, was highlighting for a number of years. And there was a big revision in national statistics. What also came out of this is that there are some structural problems in the collection of Greek national statistics, not so much to do with the central government, but with various public authorities. Essentially, the the problems are Hi, are uh, concentrated in three areas. One is local authorities which do not have uh, full accounts and do not provide timely accounts. The second is social security funds, which again do not have full accounts and do not provide accounts that are credible in a, t- in a timely manner. And the third is hospitals, the, the, the hospitals, area, the health sector. Uh, there have been uh, improvements in the last uh, few years, but again, uh, problems remain. In 2008, we had a legislation that forced all those organizations, all those uh, sectors, to submit full budgets and full accounts. Unfortunately, because of the the weaknesses of those uh, those organizations, this this has not been possible even, even today. Even today, we do not have timely accounts for large parts of the public sector, which are hospitals, social security funds, and uh, and local authorities. I think that the new government will make it a a priority to to continue with the the improvement that we have had. And uh, it is very, very important, both for the markets and for Greece's participation in the Eurozone, to have as credible uh, public accounts as we can.
0: Can we just pause? Uh, I'm sure some in the audience would like me to just follow up with one question so that we can uh, clear up this, this matter. Uh, of course, days before the last election, uh, Greece was reporting to Brussels that the deficit was less than 6%. Days after the election, the government of the Bank of Greece was saying that it's, possi- it's probably 10%, possibly up to 13% by December. How is that possible?
4: Well, this. I, mean, let me, let me just, I think it's a good question. And let me clear that I was not the minister. <laughs> <laughs> But, but anyway, I, 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 no, I have to, what happened in 2009 was that the that the, uh, that the, administra- the outgoing administration kept insisting that it would keep the, the deficit at around 6% because it had plans to be implemented partly after the election to reduce the deficit. But it, this, this was not false reporting, it was a false forecast if you like. It was not that data was sent To the European uh, Commission that that said, uh, you know, this is is our data. This was a forecast about what would happen in 2009. The new government came up with a different forecast and with a different policy. And uh, as I said in my speech originally, this was one of the reasons that Greece is uh, is facing credibility problems today.
0: Okay, thanks, Simon.
3: I'll start on the the third point first um, Greek data. Clearly, repeated increases in the estimated size of the deficit have done a lot to unsettle investor confidence um, in Greece um, and in the ability of the country's uh, government to actually manage the situation. It has been hugely damaging, quite corrosive in fact. Um, On the first point, is restructuring or even default consistent with continued membership of the Eurozone? I think it is. Um, It's uncharted territory as has been pointed out but now that investors are fully distinguishing between the sovereign debts of the various member states and attaching the relevant risk premium to their respective debts, it's not as if a member state can run up dramatic debts at German interest rates, default, and then start over all over again. Uh, so I, I don't think it's. Imp- I, I think it's possible to imagine them defaulting and remaining in the Eurozone, yes. Although it's clearly uncharted territory, there will be a lot of opposition to them being allowed to do that. Um, thirdly, can market, should, should we allow markets to force Greece out of the Euro? What can we do to prevent it? I think it's worth remembering that markets have not created this problem. Um, they've been managed very, very poorly, particularly since the beginning of the year. Uh, I think uh, the Eurozone or the EU has grossly underestimated the the power of the markets and the the credibility deficit that we see vis-à-vis Greece and a number of other Eurozone member states. Um, We're only going to address the problem if we take steps to address that that underlying credibility deficit. Blaming the markets for it, I think, won't wash.
0: Thanks.
2: Yeah, first question, yeah, we have an unprecedented <coughs> situation at the moment. We don't have an example uh, of uh, that a member of a monetary union um, uh, would be in danger to go bankrupt or to default. Um, so um, I don't know uh, uh, how we should manage that and what would come out if we would have a default of Greece or of another EMU member country. So um, <coughs> we then have to manage that and not try to... Uh, to manage the situation Um, yeah then the second question uh, yeah if uh, there was would be only pure speculation then that could be brought down by intervention or so but if it has a reason it is it was already emphasized before if it has a reason then the markets uh, can be successful in forcing Greece out uh, um, and this uh, mistrust was uh, and uh, w- w- was, w- is there, and, and so it can happen, really. Uh, yeah, the last question I asked myself, too, how can it happen that these uh, figures uh, were wrong, reported? Uh, I mean, the European Commission should have been warned, because before the uh, um, uh, start of the monetary union, there was a lot of creative bookkeeping, it was called, uh, going around uh, and Germany was also uh, trying to do this uh, and that was the stopped try-out. or not stopped, I don't know so maybe somewhere successful and it was not uh, discovered but uh, so the European Commission should have been warned and should have looked uh, closer to these problems in the case of Greece Italy and other countries Next.
1: I will try to (coughs) answer two questions, the first concerns the statistics and the second is the question of default and continued uh, EU membership. Now (coughs) uh, uh, concerning the the statistics, there are two issues here. The first issue is whether Greece, as uh, Professor Koster said, repeating what German politicians, some German politicians say during the election period, uh, Greece fudged the numbers. Now what are the figures, what are the actual facts? when greece joined the euro uh, it reported the following figures that in ninety three the deficit was twelve percent of gdp and in ninety nine which was the year of evaluation the deficit was two percent of gdp. Then, years afterwards, in 2004, (coughs) a revision has been made which uh, revised the figures uh, throughout the period, including uh, not only a revision of the figures, also a change of the rules in accounting for defense expenditure. It emerged that in the year 99, uh, the new figure for the uh, deficit was 3.1%. So, the conclusion is that uh, uh, Greece's fiscal adjustment was not uh, uh, 10 percentage points of GDP in the course of five years, as we had suggested, but only 9%. Uh, I ask, which other Eurozone country has achieved such a huge fiscal adjustment in such a short period of time? The second thing is that being in excess of the Maastricht uh, criterion by 0.1% 0. 0. is a ridiculous reason to claim that you fudge the figures. uh, For two reasons. The first reason is that if uh, the rules for defense accounting were not changed, Greece still would be well below the 3% in 1999. And the second reason is that many Eurozone countries have revised their deficit figures and it emerged that in the year of evaluation they were well above 3%, for instance. France, in the Euro evaluation, after revising the figures, had a deficit of 3.5. 5% 5% of GDP, not 3.1%. And Belgium, the same. And I think a third country as well. Did anybody suggest from Germany that uh, France, uh, France fudged its way into the Eurozone? So this is a big lie. I think uh, I have said so in many interviews, both in CNN and elsewhere. The truth of the matter is, first, that without a change of the rules... Greece will be well below 3%. The second thing is that the effort undertaken by the government and the Greek people for fiscal adjustment in that period was huge and enormously successful. And the third point is that people should be more careful. for using these words and I've been extremely astonished that Professor Costas uh, dared to use this word without actually being sure what he's talking about. Now uh, concerning concerning now the uh, general question of data. Concerning the, uh, the, uh, the uh, general question of data, definitely <coughs> the, uh, the data are weak in Greece. They are weak for two reasons. The first reason is the overall inefficiency of our administrative mechanism, which also affects statistical service, which is not competent enough to collect data in the, on a reliable basis from the wider public sector, be, being local administration or social security agencies or whatever. And the second thing is, which is truly Unacceptable is that the statistical agency is not an independent institution as in most countries, it is a branch of government, so it is open to political pressure, not for falsifying, of course, the figures, this is again a very stupid remark to make, but for manipulating the time of their delivery. That is, if uh, there is an election, the minister is in a position to instruct the head of the statistical service to delay the publication of a bad inflation figure, of a bad deficit figure so as not to worsen the prospects of his government winning the election. This is exactly what happened in 2009. I close this unhappy chapter but I ask for everybody, including Professor Kosters, to be extremely much more careful when using words which have an offensive character and uh, uh, falsify the truth. Now, concerning the other.
5: Sorry.
1: <laughs> ah, ah. <clears throat> we have sorry. heard enough from Germans, sorry. so I'm allowed sorry. to make this okay. comment okay. <laughs> to Professor Koster. Could we, uh, um, could we but, ask you. But uh, sorry. frankly, frankly sorry. enough is enough.
0: Could, uh, could we just ask you to pause there? You'll have plenty of time to come back with. No, uh, let me ask
1: for the, the answer for the default. Two sentences. Absolutely, yes. No, no. <laughs> N- not two sentences, because this also concerns Germany. Uh, Now, uh, what is the question, uh, what is the relation between default and uh, and EU members? First of all, default is a wrong option for Greece for the obvious reason that it will be a stigma in the relations between Greece and the markets, for which uh, Greece will have to pay for many years to come. So, it is a very bad option. Secondly, is it consistent with EU membership? Of course, uh, it is uh, uncharted territories, but my impression is that there are uh, people in Germany and forces in Germany which uh, have, for a number of reasons which are obvious, uh, have taken a different view as to whether Greece ought or should be a member of the Eurozone. So if Greece defaults, I'm sure that some people in Germany will say this is incompatible with continuing membership because it is not reasonable for two countries to belong to the same monetary family uh, issue paper on the same currency and the first country greece to price its paper say 100 but to be valued 60 after the default while the other country germany to price its paper 100 and be still 100 in value so membership of the devalued country uh, uh, values the uh, integrity of the common currency. So I think that it is uh, dangerous for Greece to default because this might open a discussion about Greece exiting the Eurozone.
0: Okay, thanks. So uh, could we have some more show of questions, uh, please? Let's go on the other side. There's the gentleman in the blue shirt here.
7: Hi, my name is Chris Ioannou, I work as a financial (laughs) consultant in the city.
0: Sorry, we can't hear you very well.
7: My name is Chris Ioannou and my question goes one layer below the ability to pay and that's concerning willingness to pay. The growth that Greece has seen in the last 15 and 20 years has been extremely unequal. There's been an extreme amount of corruption in the disbursement of funds and there are a large number of people in, in Greece who say, why should we pay? We didn't benefit from the money that was borrowed. Why should we pay? So the, the ability to extract the type of concessions that are needed for the fiscal adjustment isn't a question that was addressed. In, in your opinions, knowing the structure of Greece society, what is the chance of a nasty surprise?
0: Thank you. Uh, gentleman in the white shirt here.
6: Good evening. Thank you for coming. My name is Apostolos Pilas and I am a master's student here in IR. Um, my question is regarding the IMF's role in Greece and in the Eurozone. From all the readings that I have done on the IMF, I see it to be an institution that goes into a country with a loan, with the knowledge that they will, the loan will not be able to be repaid, thus incurring the country even more debt and um, that country, in essence, will owe the lender with uh, repayments with either votes in the United Nations or favors or acquisition of natural resources. I was wondering if we are to be cautious of the IMF's present, which in essence is an American presence in Europe. What are your thoughts on this?
0: Okay, thanks. And the lady here, please.
8: a uh, Martina Stevis, from the newspaper Athens um i think there is a huge elephant sitting in this room and i think it's time to respectfully address it as kevin rightly pointed out uh, the two gentlemen sitting at the extremes of the panel have held the fates of the greek economy in their hands for the pe- best part of the previous decade so my papers readers and I think uh, the Greek citizens deserve an honest answer. For example, Mr. Papadonio, what happened in 2001 with the deal that was struck while you were uh, finance minister between the Greek government and Goldman Sachs? Um, Mr. Andros <laughs> Sorry, I. This is, I'm not asking this for crowd-pleasing. Mr. Lovascoufis, in the case of your administration, what happened with the statistics that you announced in Novosol? What happened with expenditure? And wherever the deficit and the debt are measured, the reality is that they are large, they are very large, and this money has gone somewhere, and it's money from the Greek taxpayer and the European taxpayer from Brussels and the fund. So, what happened? Did politics happen?
0: Okay, thanks. Uh, and the final question in this round to the gentleman
5: here. this question is for Mr. Papandoneou and Mr. Alouro Before uh, I start, the, uh, I put the question forward. I'd like to state my personal opinion. I do strongly believe what the vast majority of the Greek people believe that all governments after Junda, who governed this country, share a responsibility for that tragedy, for the today's tragedy. Now the question. In 19, 19, 1922, Greece suffered the as so-called the Asia Minor disaster. Six of the responsible people, generals and politics, who were executed in Gudi. Okay. Unfortunately, 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 after the execution of Nikos Belogiannis in Greece, in Greece, who have abolished... Oh, no, no, no,
0: please, please, can we just cause, uh, have a pause here? Yes? yes. We cannot, in an academic debate, have suggestions of this kind. No, no, no.
5: That is it. A- Wait a minute. The lady over here. No, no, no.
0: No, please. The lady over here has made uh, a personal attack. We're not here to deal with uh, cheap Kevin, remarks. Excuse me. We're not here to deal with cheap remarks. We are here for questions and debate. Can we now go to the panel? I am going to direct, as the lady over here asked, uh, and other questioners have asked. I'm going to ask, uh, firstly, um, Dr Papandoneo to answer two questions, and then also Professor Alagos Krufis to answer two questions. For uh, Dr Papandoneo, there is a question about the, why should uh, Greeks pay uh, in the context of uh, corruption, etc. Why should it hit the ordinary uh, Greek? There is a question also about Goldman Sachs in 2001. Dr Papandoneo.
1: Well, let's start with the Goldman uh, Sachs agreement. Uh, God, microphone, please. Oh, sorry. <laughs> interest rate swap agreements were made by o- most European governments at the time. Uh, the Greek uh, uh, case was not different from any other, uh, any other um, uh, swap agreement made by Italy, Belgium, Spain and any other country. And the reporting uh, of this agreement was fully consistent with the arrangements that uh, were prevalent at the time. The first time the European Commission Uh, imposed some limits on the extent to which governments could use the swap agreements was in 2008, that is seven years after the 2001 agreement. That's why uh, the case was not given any kind of follow-up and uh, there is no problem whatsoever with this this agreement. Now, uh, concerning the uh, evident question that uh, has been put on how to distribute the cost of the adjustment in Greece I agree that uh, uh, there is a (coughs) heavy responsibility of a corrupt administration in terms of the fact that a lot of tax evasion in Greece and a lot of waste in government spending owes to a great laxity in the way the f- state functions. And this laxity owes to a huge bureaucracy, uh, owes to a great party intervention in, uh, which has abolished meritocracy in the, in the administration, and also to the fact that uh, the uh, supervisory authorities for corruption uh, work very weakly, and also the fact that justice does not function well in Greece, because, for instance, in many cases, uh, you know that uh, many issues have gone to, the, to justice, fully documented, and then somehow, due to statutes of limitations, due to uh, long delays and look to the inefficiency of the justice system, no punishment is performed. So all this is unfo- a part of this unfortunate uh, uh, unfortunate history. Now, the point is what to do about it. The question is that we have this huge deficit. We have this huge debt. I agree that it is unfair to um, that the average worker pays for it. And that's why we believe, and the government, the present government believes, that the deficit should not be redressed by either raising taxes or cutting incomes of particular of the weakest uh, social groups, but by tackling the two major issues which are at the root of the fiscal uh, problem of Greece. The first is tax evasion, and there you, we need a strong financial police, which unfortunately had been abolished, but now it is being res- resurrected, and we need a strong system of al- electronic surveillance of incomes and uh, spending of households, s- coupled with a very effective sy- system of controls. The present government is doing precisely that. And the other thing is the waste in government spending, which is all these party recruitments, which must be reversed at some point, and of course, uh, putting order in uh, some uh, public uh, corporations, namely railways, uh, uh, where a uh, exceptionally high expenditure uh, occurs and is not justified. So the challenge for the present government is to avoid the conventional weapons of tax rises and income cuts and focus on redressing the basic problems which is tax evasion and waste by hitting this monster which is called the great and inefficient state that has bedeviled Greek politics and economics for so many years. Thank okay,
0: you. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Professor Alex kupis
4: one, uh, one of the issues that have been raised is has to do with you know, who is to blame for Greece being at this uh, position right now and it is true and we all have to, uh, to admit that we are all to blame that all, the, all those years uh, all the politicians and all the governments that uh, dealt with, uh, with the economy of Greece have made mistakes uh, during the 80s, we had a huge accumulation of debt. Since 1990, there was a, um, an effort to reduce deficits and uh, stabilize the debt. This effort was not successful. As I said, the debt was stabilized at 100% of GDP. But uh, one could, uh, could have a much more ambitious target to reduce the debt back to, uh, to where it was, say, in uh, 1980, which was only 25% of GDP. Uh, we did not succeed in doing that. We did not succeed when we tried to enter the eurozone and we did not succeed after we entered the eurozone. In fact, after we entered the eurozone, deficits increased up until 2004. Uh, to, to talk about our, our particular uh, uh, sort of uh, administration, between 2004 and 2006, we made a big effort to reduce the deficit. We went to a deficit from, from 8% to 3%. This was not enough, obviously. After 2007, there was a relapse. Uh, we have to admit it. There is no, uh, no reason to, to hide that you know, the political system in Greece did not show the discipline uh, that, uh, that was required by, by a member of, uh, of the Eurozone. And I would say that uh, you know, having been a finance minister for five years, and I know that has been a minister for many years, and other ministers, ...that the ministers of finance are the last to blame... ...if, uh, if, you, if you were to start apportioning blame. Because uh, the, pr- the pressure that, uh, that exists from spending ministers... ...from society at large made it extremely <coughs> difficult... ...and we are all very unpopular in Greece, obviously... ...because Populist. we all tried... Populist. Up ...unpopular. Populist.
0: Okay, okay. Let him answer them, thanks. But okay, thanks.
4: We are all very unpopular in Greece... ...because we tried as ministers of finance to implement measures against the will of our governments and against the will of the people. Now, uh, there was a question of the ability to pay. The situation right now is completely different from what it was even a year ago. Now there is a deep sense, a deep realization in Greece that we are in crisis. Society, I think, is much more ready to accept what is needed to correct the fiscal problems that Greece has created in the last 30 years. And and this is the best hope, I think, for Greece, that now there there is a realization of the crisis, which did not exist even in the run-up to participation Mm. in the monetary union or after participation in the monetary union, where people thought that we could go on spending. The economy was growing, of course. Uh, Unemployment was falling in the last few years before the crisis. Now everybody realizes there is a crisis. And I think that this is the the best hope for the present government, to implement uh, its program. The program will not be popular, obviously, uh, but, but no program of fiscal adjustment has ever been popular.
0: OK, thanks. I think we have time just for two questions. Uh, there's a lady right at the very back on the left here. I'm sorry, I didn't realize the microphones were only at the front. I will
7: come back. Hi, my name is Mary Stokes. I'm an economic analyst. Uh, My question is what do you think is the likelihood, given the imbalances in the Eurozone, of Germany leaving the EMU from a position of strength rather than focusing on Greece leaving from a position of weakness?
0: Thanks very much. The gentleman in the blue here, please.
6: Because most of, I think all the members of the panel have said that um, default or quitting the Eurozone is uncharted territory and they didn't want to go there, can we say that because it would be so complicated to deal with, uh, the Eurozone, the IMF and whoever else might be involved will actually do whatever and at whatever cost, if, if it's 100 billion, 100 billion, if it's more, more, to avoid it, I mean, can we safely, c- could that mean to avoid the headache they would do that M- my opinion would be yes but I al- was also thinking that the Eurozone would never happen because it would require a political union so
0: okay thanks perhaps perhaps just one very quick question if uh, wait, wait, wait. Very <laughs> <laughs> fine, uh, I'm sorry uh, the gentleman here very quick
7: thank you I, I'm a candidate for next week's elections in North London the North London ward
1: I, I can. We
7: can hear. I'm a candidate, Constantine Buhaya I'm a candidate at next week's elections, uh, in the London ward. Oh good. And it doesn't matter. It's not only party. one of
0: these gentlemen has has a vote.
4: And. <laughs> <laughs> and the question My that vote doesn't count because I
3: live in a seat where you know the sitting sitting guy has 60%. Oh, okay. Of his okay. <laughs> A quick question, come on
4: At Hustings, there's one question that keeps coming up And the question that was put to us is As local government funding will inevitably be reduced in the next four years And difficult choices will need to be made Which areas of services are most likely to be affected? And for Greece, is which areas are going to be cut and
7: affect the ordinary voters? Thank you
0: Okay, thanks can I ask them uh, perhaps to respond to the question about whether Germany may leave from a position of strength?
2: No, I think that's... Uh, uh, no, I, can't not, I cannot imagine that it could happen, though. No. The mood in the German population uh, uh, is not there, no. No, no. Certainly not. Okay.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I was shocked because by the, the uh, precision and the brevity, but them. thank you. <laughs> Uh, Simon, would you like to respond to the earlier question, which we missed, about the role of the IMF in this crisis, friend or foe? Yeah,
3: um, I'm, also concerned about the participation of, I'm also concerned about the participation of the IMF, but for very different reasons from yourself. I think the role of the IMF reinforces the perception in the markets that the US own can't sort out its own problems, and reinforces the sense that this currency union might not be forever. It's worth remembering that were the IMF setting the conditionality for any bailout in Greece, the terms would be much less onerous than the ones that have been set by the EU IMF, because of pressure from the rest of the EU. So be careful what you wish for.
0: Okay, thank you. Uh, Could I ask um, Yanni then to respond to this last question about where the cuts should come?
1: Uh, Could Uh, I hear the question question
0: again? Uh, Basically, the question is simply: everyone's talking about cuts. Where should they come from?
1: In public spending, spending. Yes. Well, I suppose. Well, cuts in public spending, first of all, should come from a complete freeze of recruitment. Should definitely come from the public sector wage cuts that the government has already um, has already uh, instituted, and third, and most importantly, must come from uh, streamlining the working of the public administration, particularly in public corporations which are uh, uh, producing huge deficits, like the railways and others.
0: Thank you, George.
4: Well, I just I just want to say a word about the involvement of the IMF. I think that the involvement of the IMF is important and uh, and, uh, valuable because the IMF is the only institution that can provide immediately money uh, for the support mechanism. All the other uh, commitments that come from European countries will take some time to be implemented because of the political process in a number of countries. So it is very, very important that the IMF is in the support mechanism as it has been uh, agreed. Uh, because it is the only institution that can provide money immediately and Greece will need money immediately, will need money during May. And uh, the IMF is the only uh, institution that can provide this money uh, in this uh, short period.
0: Okay, thanks. Now this has been a very typical seminar for the Hellenic Observatory. We've had uh, media coverage from France, uh, Greece, uh, the UK, uh, internationally, etc. It's a normal Wednesday evening for the Hellenic Observatory. However, uh, despite that, on your behalf, I'd like to thank our speakers very much indeed.